The Two Hopes by Caleb McCoy Why do you wish someone a Merry Christmas, but you hope they have a good vacation? It seems wishing and hoping are interchangeable with generally the same meaning. I often say things like, I hope to get a big bonus, or I hope the Sooners will win, or I hope the next Star Wars movie is better than the last episode, or prequel, or whatever else they're releasing. When I use hope in those contexts, I'm really just wishing. But hope is supposed to be one of the three golden virtues. Faith, hope, love. Those are the three divine pillars of the Christian worldview. We all know the greatest of these is love, but often scholars in comparative religion claim hope is the defining trait of Christianity. Somehow, Christian hope distinguishes us from others. And yet, from the way we often use the word, hope sounds the same as rubbing a magic lamp. That kind of wishful thinking is present in almost every major religion. So what makes Christianity any different? C.S. Lewis wrote The Four Loves almost 60 years ago. He was a scholar, a genius, and the original British author of a best-selling series about kids using magic. I am none of those things, and he'd probably get a good laugh at my casual attempt to delineate multiple meanings from the same word, hope. So with my caveat of an unacademic, unverified, and oversimplified conclusion, I believe there are two very different hopes described in the Bible. The first hope falls in line with the way that we in the secular world most often use the word. I call it David's hope because it's peppered throughout the Psalms. Deliver me, O God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and ruthless. For you are my hope, O God, my confidence from my youth. Psalm 71, 4 and 5. David's hope is the steadfast belief that God will transform the people and circumstances surrounding us today to create a better tomorrow. David's hope rests on God's promises to deliver his people decimate their enemies, and rejuvenate the climate to create a land flowing with milk and honey. It's the promise of the prophets after delivering their woes. I know the plans I have for you, says Jeremiah in the midst of the Babylonian captivity. David's hope is the faith of the promised land. It's the faith of a coming Savior. To me, David's hope sounds a lot like faith. As the quoted psalm equates, hope and confidence are synonyms for David's belief that God will deliver him from the pressing enemies. In other words, David has faith God will defeat his enemies. But faith is already one of the three golden virtues. Faith is something most believers have in whatever their texts are God's promise. The difference, I believe, is when Christians talk about hope, we aren't talking about David's hope. We're talking about something else altogether. I think symbols and images often help us see the truth that language obscures. This is why Jesus spoke in parables about the nature of God and of heaven. Try as we must, our mortal, rational minds can never quite grasp or define the divine, other than as the things that transcend our own understanding. For the divine virtues of faith and hope, I think their symbols explain their differences more than any written definition. When we think of faith, we most often think of a rock, solid, certain, and unmoving. This sounds like David's hope. 
a steadfast belief that gave him something firm to grasp on among the shifting sands of betrayal and aggression. Faith is the solid rock where you build your house. But when we think about hope, we most often think of a flame, alive, burning, and illuminating. That feels quite different from a rock. An unmoved, solid rock is maybe the opposite of the ethereal, constantly morphing licks of flame. When you go camping or make s'mores, you may sit on the rock, but you stare into the fire. This image of burning hope doesn't belong to David. It doesn't belong to anyone in the Old Testament. Only Jesus could set the rock of David's hope afire. In Christ, we find the second hope of the Bible. Peter describes it as something alive inside us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1.3 Christ's hope is the agent of spiritual transformation. Where David's hope focused on outside forces destroyed and a temple rebuilt, Christ's hope focuses only within you. It's the path to the new Adam described by Paul. The victory over the enemy isn't God arriving on the battlefield to smite the armies. The victory is in Christ, living inside us through the Holy Spirit, guiding us to love our enemies. Christ's hope is the message of the Beatitudes, transforming the weak to the strong and the blind to see. Christ's hope sets the prisoners free without ever demolishing the jail. Christ's hope resurrects our dead souls to a reborn life in him. Now make no mistake, there is nothing passive in Christ's hope. It takes your intentional and active participation to work. Every fire must burn something. Christ's hope burns away our old selves to give birth to the new. In the allegory of the phoenix rising from the ashes, we often forget what it's like for the old phoenix to burn alive. It takes a willful and often painful act to set down our pride and pick up Christ's cross. I recently read Dante's Divine Comedy because for all my talk of words, I don't know the meaning of fun. Throughout the Inferno, Purgatorio, and Paradiso, Dante weaves a wonderful and beautiful masterpiece of concepts, thoughts, virtues, all in the form of real and mythical people and creatures from across the known world of 1300 AD. Near the end, as he's about to ascend into the final heaven, Dante learns of the golden virtues of faith, hope, and love from three apostles. Faith from Peter, love from John, and for hope, he talks with James. Yes, the same James that wrote, Faith without works is dead. Hope, to Dante and many other scholars of old, was an action. That's how hope is distinctive to Christianity. It's not a mere belief that rests firmly in your mind. It's not passive faith. It's an active force of will with Christ's help to transform yourself. It's a belief that the future will be better because you can be transformed from the inside to experience a better tomorrow. You'll have no enemies when you love all as your brothers and sisters. You don't need a land of milk and honey when your jail cell can be filled with an abundance of God's joy, peace, and love. Christ's hope is an alcoholic completing the 12 steps. That process is nothing like a magic lamp. 
It's a grueling and painful process to peel pride off your soul, admit your need for help from a community, and lean on a higher power to learn disciplines of self-control that never get easier. The monumental and seemingly impossible transformation to sobriety is only possible when the alcoholic enacts Christ's hope. You find Christ's hope when a businessman with a Rolex hands his tailored jacket to the homeless. You find Christ's hope when the uneducated single mom completes her online college application while nursing her baby. Christ's hope distinguishes Christianity because of its power of transformation. Christ's hope burns away the old to create something new, beautiful, and good. Christ's hope is the only verb that can save our world. After studying hope this past year, I've started correcting myself. I don't hope for a big bonus, I wish for it. I can only hope I perform well at work, since my performance takes my active involvement and, often, my continued transformation to listen more, try something different, and become better. I can't hope for a sooner win because I'm not a player or a coach. I can only wish Star Wars will be great again. Recently, a friend said he hoped my vacation went well. I told him, no, you wish or trust I have a good vacation. You have no control over whether I do or do not. Obviously, I'm kind of a jerk and I need to chill out. The proper response was to say thanks and to carry his love for me and my family on our travels. So whatever vocabulary you use this Christmas, don't squander Christ's hope. God gave the most awesome power the world has ever known to save you from yourself. Don't let the secular definition of wishful thinking belittle the transformative power of Christ's hope. This Christmas, take a moment to sit on the rock of your faith and stare into the fire of the second hope. Accept Christ's invitation to burn something old inside of you, to give birth to something new, beautiful, and good. So while I have no hope for you to experience transformation over the holidays, I do wish you'll burn just a little in an active role of the definitively Christian gift of hope. And in that way, I do wish you a very Merry Christmas. Did you know you could give the gift of hope this season? And you can wear it, too. Go to hopeculture.us to give one of the beautiful, luxurious apparel items to a friend or family member. And remember, 50% goes back into the community. So go to hopeculture.us and buy a t-shirt or one of the other great apparel items. That's hopeculture.us.